I'm surrounded by animals right now, Jody. Just watching you. I'm staying very still. Okay. Yellow. Hello. Am I here? Am I, I here now? Well, you're not here, here, but I can hear you. If that's what you okay, mean. Okay, good. You can hear me. At least I'm on the call. You're on the I'm call. Here on the. I'm here on the call. It's you. It is me. So, how are you, Jody? I am frazzled. <laughs> you sounded a little frazzled. <laughs> yeah. I am uh, going on vacation tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wrap up stuff at work. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to run home to get on a podcast. Right. You know. Yeah, we've had a hard time uh, putting this this week's show together. We've had a hard time finding the time for this. And that, that's all my fault. Completely my fault. Uh, I am under the under the bus in regards to that one. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So we're, we're this is weird. We're recording on a Monday. Is it what is this? What day is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a Monday. Oh gosh, it's a Monday. Okay, Would it's you... a Monday. I go on vacation tomorrow. Did morning. you work today? Did you have to go to work today? Yeah, I had to go to work today. Today was my last day of work for two weeks, and uh, boy, uh-huh. I got the I got the dog pile today. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. What does that mean? What what what? How does that take shape? I think some people forgot I was going to be out for two weeks. <laughs> So that when they got reminded this morning at the Monday staff meeting, which I should have skipped, I oh. knew better. I should I should have boycotted the meetings today. And so going to that, you know, reminded everybody. Oh yeah, I gotta send Jody all of this unimportant stuff on his last day. <laughs> I even got pulled into another meeting from there. So I was oh crazy. Yeah, meetings. Yeah, I was supposed to be do? at a meeting uh, this morning at eight a.m. and I just decided to stay in bed. I made it to the second meeting I was supposed to be at at 10 a.m. Okay, and that's an option because there's there's no students for you yet, right? No, yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, tomorrow's uh, 7:15 meeting with students is not optional. <laughs> that I one see. I'm pretty sure I will have to attend. Okay, so this means you're like fully back now, right? Well, yeah, uh, we we started last Monday. You know, the teachers have their week of pre-planning, and then they always start the kids back on a Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday would be okay with me, but I don't, I'm not sure why we do this. My partner asked me the other day, why Why do we start on a Tuesday? Not every district does. Like, I know Pasco and Pinellas started yesterday, but we started on Tuesday, and I think it might just be because we just can't handle a five-day week with these kids right out of the gate. It's just, oh, okay. I'm just not I was going to say, you know, suicide rates are lower. Exactly. Uh, not starting on a Monday. Exactly. That's that would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent the last uh, the last week spending various amount of time in in the building in my classroom, trying not to become just overwhelmingly despondent <laughs> with varying degrees of success. But now it's um now it's now it's really happening. Now it's time for me to uh, dry out and buck up and <laughs> go do my job at least until i find another one all right all right yeah i was doing my best to to be that that guy today on my my last day at work before vacation which guy the buck up guy the buck the buck up and uh you know pull up your bootstraps and show them show them a mean face and all all that i don't i don't even know are those those sayings i don't is this (laughs) i don't even know if i'm speaking english right now um well i mean the day before your vacation that's 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 a happy day. When you leave the building on that day, you're you're feeling pretty good. I imagine you well, must be you must be pretty chuffed right now. I would be if I didn't have a couple emails to send. 
still <laughs> basically telling people, yeah, all that stuff you sent me, it's not done, and it's not going to be done for two weeks. I'm sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, if only you had remote access, <laughs> then it could really f*** up your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that never got set up for me, so hurrah. All right. All right. And you, you, you dodged a bullet there, I bet. I guess. So what what are, what have you got planned for this vacation? I mean, you said you were going to well, you said your partner was going to learn to surf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's gonna... not a whole lot planned right now. I mean, we're going to be there for two weeks, uh, right. and we got some locals on our side, or at least some some semi locals. Yeah. Uh, some friends living there, right. um, so we'll be able to tap them for stuff to do. You know, awesome. I don't. I, I just want to chill out. To be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. uh, I want to. I want to hike in the jungle. I want to hike on the volcano. Oh. I want to run on the beach. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I want to I want to roll around in in uh, in the black sand. Uh-huh. Like that Chris Isaacs video. I think that'll be cool. <laughs> um I like the black sand. It's fun. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to all that. Um that all sounds good. That all sounds amazing. Uh what's the weather going to be like? Is it going to be super hot or I mean, I guess it'll be pretty hot. Uh yeah. You know the the uh uh the wind talker out there says it's uh it's about like Florida, so. Is that a pseudonym that we established before? Or did you just do that one on the spot? No, I just ha- I, that that was right right now. Okay, I, yeah. That was pretty good, huh? That, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The wind talker. Okay. Well, say hi to the wind talker for me. Uh huh. I'm I'm super jealous. I would love to hang out with you guys in Hawaii. Oh yeah. That would be a lot of fun. You should rent a four by four and drive up to the crater of a volcano or something. The caldera. It's called. So. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I'm not, not familiar with his work. Yeah, apparently we have an option of renting some, some locals' truck if we want to, so. Cool. Oh, man, that sounds good. I I uh, I haven't even really started yet, and I could I could use a vacation. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're back to work. Uh, I'm back that, to work. That was – you have that under follow-up. I, I don't know. I'm trying to pull pull all the threads together here to get some semblance of a, of a show format. Okay. Yeah. Did we have like proper follow up for uh eh, the last no. episode? I don't think so. Um I was gonna ask you if you if you got to anything on your happy list. I, I'm gonna have to defer right now on that and just say vacation prep is the only thing that is at the top of my happy list right now. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I'm gonna I didn't. weasel out of that one for now. Yeah, fair enough. I I I'm gonna take a mulligan on that one too. I you know, being back at work and and stuff. Oh, hey, I turned in that big paper, uh, so I, I actually have graduated now, I guess. It's hard to know, for sure, like, when that actually happens. <laughs> so, uh, you're apparently graduated, but not degree in hand, right? No, no, nothing's come in the mail, uh, and as we discussed, I didn't walk, so I think I graduated. I hope it's official, because I ordered my official transcripts to be sent, because I was, you know, went back to work and going to meetings and stuff. And people, you know, everybody's catching up. What did you do this summer? And I said, well, you know, I finished my master's degree, and and then that's about it. Is this transcripts to be sent to you or to, me. to potential employers? Well, I that's why I ordered some extras to have around. They're still official as long as you don't open the envelope. Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I got three sent to me, and, and hopefully, well, sh- I hope they come in different envelopes. <laughs> if they all come in the oh, same envelope, that yeah. would be useless. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I think the, I think the, oh god. Um, hopefully they'll come in different envelopes. <laughs> That'll be totally useless. Anyway, um, no, I got one because 
uh, a colleague said, oh, you know, make sure you get with the professional standards people and update your certificate with your master's because you're going to make more money now. And I've completely forgotten about that. that that's oh, why. geez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's – I don't know which system I'm going to be paid under if I'm grandfathered into the old system because I've been around so long or if I'm paid under the new system. Actually, I think I'd be better off under the new system assuming I'm going to change jobs. The new system is instead of paying you more every paycheck for the rest of your time as a teacher, they just they just give you a check, a one-time bonus. And it's like six or seven grand. So as opposed to the old step increase way? Exactly. Talking about? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, the step increase way is more money if you're going to be a teacher for, for another 10 years, but I yeah. certainly hope I'm not. So. so so it's either you're in it for the long haul and you want the steps or you want a signing bonus. Exactly. Huh. So I want, I want the signing bonus because, you know, hopefully I'm out of here <laughs> pretty soon. Huh. Uh, I'm going to take the money and run. I had completely forgotten about that. Somebody mentioned it and I was like, huh. I think I'm, maybe I'll maybe that's where I'll get the money for my uh, for the shotgun I want. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So you not, not being gonna, not going to ask why you want that. Well, I'm going to tell you since I since I mentioned it. I just went and looked at shotguns this afternoon. Actually, it's uh, not not a creepy reason. Uh, <laughs> as you I, do on a Monday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I left work. I was feeling depressed. I going to go look at shotguns. Oh boy. No. Now that <laughs> that sounded bad. Let me explain. Yesterday, some friends of ours put together a little outing for the for the group, and it became a kind of big deal. I think like 13 of us went to go shoot sporting clays, clay pigeons. Oh, fun. You go out to Silver Dollar for that? No, it was called Tampa Bay Sporting Clays or something. It was on it was in Lutz. Was it attached to a really crappy golf course? No, not that oh. I'm aware of. Okay. They had an archery range, and then they do sporting clays. But they had, you know, so they have courses, the green course, the blue course, and the red course. And they give you a golf cart, and you drive around to the different stations. It was super fun. The golf cart was half the fun. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sliding it around and stuff. And you're driving around in the woods, and mostly it's pretty shaded. And, it, man, it, it was so much fun. And I, I used uh, Toby's gun most of the time. I tried one of our friend Ryan's as well, but... Yeah, I'm 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 hooked. I got my my dad is getting his brother to send his uh his little his old antique 20 gauge back down from Wisconsin. I'm going to I'm going to try that out, but uh, All right, heirloom firearms from Uncle Jim. Nice. Bruce actually. This one's coming from Bruce. There're more of you? My dad has several several brothers. There are five brothers and a sister, I think. Yeah. I had no idea and they're armed. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> They're not like they're not gun people. I mean, he's a he's a proper Wisconsin liberal. Oh, of course, they're sportsmen. Yeah, they're sportsmen, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I I really want to get a fancy fancy clay shotgun, clay killing shotgun. I was pretty good at it. I was very pleased with my performance. Yeah, sounds kind of fun. Acquitted myself well. Yeah, you should come. Everybody's practically everybody wants to buy a shotgun now. Everybody's super into it. Everybody had a good time. I think probably the only person who didn't have a great time was my partner. Um, although she did, she did fire probably fifteen rounds. So she she gave it a okay. She gave it a, a a chance. Well, my wife got a chance to fire a shotgun recently. She she liked it. Yeah, I don't think she mind minded shooting it as much as she just didn't like how heavy it was. She didn't feel like she had the arm strength to, you know, hold and aim it properly. 
so she could probably just get stronger and fix that. <laughs> she wasn't scared. She didn't seem like she was scared of it or that the recoil bothered her or anything like that. Um, didn't bother me at all. I mean, although I, I do feel like I got a few good shots to the shoulder. Okay. I feel like somebody socked me in the in the right shoulder a little bit, but man, it was super fun. I, I hope to be doing more of that soon. I think, um, well, you'll be obviously, you know, out in the middle of the ocean somewhere, but right. uh, we're, we're going again, possibly this Wednesday. So cool. But when you're in town, you'll have to, you'll have to come do it. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. I might want to get down on that sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we talked about jobs and guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about guns before. So now here's the thing when you want to, if you want to learn about, about guns. So I, I started doing a little research to figure out what a, what the kind of gun I would want is going to cost. So you have to start, you know, you have to start Googling these things, but Man, when you start getting into gun culture on the internet, ooh, it's kind of a scary place. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to talk guns with strangers on the internet. I just ask my Filipino yeah. friends. <laughs> is that? Yeah. Is that? Oh, that might be ping pong. Cut you gotta ask out. them if they can get you a heater or something. Or uh, is this the uh, the power truck people? Yeah, some okay. of them. Is, some of them. Is yeah. the power truck? Is that a cover for something? Are they like smuggling guns? Is that a no, is the no, power no, thing? No. A clue? I, I'm not. I'm not saying there's anything nefarious going on here. It's just, I think every Filipino person I've ever met really loves guns. Hmm. Do they hunt in the Philippines? I mean, they, they probably do. There's jungles. Do they hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But it's an island. You know, they're, they're probably not big animals in the jungles. They're not like, you know, South American or African jungles. I, 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 yeah, let's pick something that I know absolutely nothing about and talk about that. Um, <laughs> the yeah. geography of the Philippines, go! The flora and fauna of the Philippines. Well, I, it, was, it was cool to, to fire a couple of different ones, uh, but I definitely had a strong preference for the, the more gentlemanly over-under double barrels compared to the pump-action guns. Ah, those Fulger pump-action guns, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lap at all times. It's fun. It's a definitely a, a new a new hobby I'm gonna put some time into and possibly money. And if I do get a bonus for getting a master's degree, well I guess I suppose I should just put that toward the loans. <laughs> oh, never mind. It'd probably be a little silly to buy a three thousand dollar Italian shotgun. Wow. Yeah. So you're 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 frenzied, you've had uh, a dog pile at work. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You are you packed? No, oh, no, no. Of course not. No, not packed. Uh, got all night and uh, not leaving early in the morning. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. Seems like whenever I'm leaving on vacation, it's at five fifteen in the morning or something ridiculous. <laughs> the the next time the next time I I know I'm flying anywhere is New Orleans in November, and I'm pretty sure we'll be leaving the house around five. Ouch. Yeah, but is it, is it at least possible to get a direct flight to New Orleans still? Oh yeah, um, okay. and if you if you watch the prices, they they go up and down and up and down. If you watch the prices, you can get a, a good flight. We got we got a pretty pretty good deal, and we didn't even get the best deal of the people who are going. Some other people maybe snagged it even cheaper than we did, and they're on the same plane. We're all on the same plane. We're all flying the same level, but um, Ugh, that's so bonkers. Yeah, it's that it's that bucket pricing structure. That's what they call it, right? They call it buckets. They put the different. They put different fares in different buckets. So there's like the absolute bargain bucket, and those are going to sell out fa- uh, first. And then they have the, you know, so 
it's a it's a weird pricing structure, but it, it works in their favor to try to both fill the plane and you know it gives them time that if the seats aren't selling, they can discount the fares in the other buckets. Wow, that was impressive sounding. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> did you hear that? Was that on the call? Yeah, did something <laughs> explode over there? Uh, it was just thunder, but um, the the animals are all creeped out now. I'm surrounded by animals right now, Jody. Just watching you. I'm staying very still. Okay. But yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, people on the same plane, the same 50-minute flight to New Orleans, some people will have paid $50 for that seat. Other people will have paid $280. Pretty big swing. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. What? What? Uh, what's, a, what's a ticket to – you don't have to be super specific, but like how, how expensive is it to fly to Hawaii these days? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, How's that possible? One of my spouse's various part-time jobs mm-hmm. is paying her in travel. So <laughs> really? she had already basically bought the airfare with the sweat of her brow. Cool. So I, I, guess. Th- I don't even know. I'm just going. It's great. Yeah, that is great. So you didn't have to. You didn't have to shell out a uh, you know mouth puckering uh, amount of money for a, a ticket. Exactly. That's good. That's good. You know, my partner and I, we still haven't done our honeymoon, and we've got all this money set aside for it. I mean, not, not all this money. It's not a ton of money, but it's enough for a decent vacation, especially depending on – well, and that's the thing. You know, it, it, it'll it cover a decent vacation, and we're going to go either to Europe or South Africa, but huh. the tickets are going to eat up a huge chunk of that. Yeah. It's kind of why I want to go to South Africa because the tickets are just as expensive, but once you get there, everything's cheap as dirt. Yeah, this is kind of this trip is sort of doubling as a as a delayed honeymoon for me as well. Yeah, you guys didn't do it either, huh? No, nope, no. Nope. Huh. Last thing we wanted to do was plan something else at the time. Yeah, yeah. Your wedding had a lot of moving parts. That's true. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> uh, Literally, we can't talk about that right now. Okay, we won't talk about that. All right. Well, let's see. We we. Uh... Oh man. Okay. So I'm back at work. I have not done much with the five days that I've been, or six now, I guess, counting today, that I've been back at the schoolhouse. You know, you warm over your syllabi, you change the dates on all your PowerPoints, you uh, <laughs> <laughs> you print some stuff, you know, to get, get some graph paper, make sure I got enough baking soda and uh, calcium chloride for the experiments I want to do in the first week. Okay. And then, um, you know, and then you just sit around being sad. It's uh, it's it's dark, but there in our department, we had two vacancies this year. I thought there were going to be more. One one teacher left. Another one uh, is deployed in the naval reserves still until November, I guess. Yeah, boy, the reserves have turned out to be a bad bet this last ten years or so. <laughs> yeah, this guy's not that old, so I'm thinking he might have known what he was getting into. Okay, he's in Afghanistan. And he has been. He was in Afghanistan all of last year. So he got hired last year at the start of the year and then was like, oh, okay, guys, I'm going to Afghanistan. And the principal didn't know and was, was super, super mad. Oh, he was super pissed because uh, the guy's other school, the school that he, he was coming from, knew and didn't tell him. And Oh, my gosh. And this teacher knew and didn't tell him because, you know, you wouldn't get hired. Which, you know, I, I don't honestly have a problem with him not telling him. I, I mean, because – it wouldn't be right to be discriminated against for it, would it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly how, how to feel about that. That's but a tough one. 
Yeah, that is a tough one, ethically, because I, I mean, I mean, because I'm pretty sure the principal and the department head would not have hired this guy knowing that he's about to peace out for <laughs> a year and a half, um, and then we're gonna need to hire somebody else. And I, I mean, I think there's there's laws about this. I, I don't I don't know. But anyway, so he's gone. So we had somebody else in that position in a temporary role last year, and then he, then that temporary guy left. So this year they had to find somebody on a temporary basis, which means they don't make as much and they don't get benefits, and they only would have a job until November. So they, he found a guy. Guy had a PhD in neuroimaging, which is interesting, and then he he quit several days into pre-planning. <laughs> so we we don't have anybody in that position. We got a oh my gosh. We got, I guess we've got a long-term sub, and he's um, he's my favorite sub. He's the guy I always try to get if I'm going to be absent. He's he he really works well. He can handle the kids, no problem. Okay, and, and good um, for science, good for the subject area. No, not so much. Oh. Not instructionally good, but at least he can manage a classroom full of kids. He actually used to be a professional wrestler. Huh. So he's a big, imposing guy, and you know. And he, and you know he jokes with the kids. He doesn't he doesn't just threaten them. He's um he gets on well with them. He's from the neighborhood and he he, he understands our kids. Then I'm sorry. I'm picturing like Jimmy Superfly Snooka <laughs> teaching your class. Um yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, uh, there's a few of our a few of our friends will be cackling about that image later. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So then then there's this, this the classroom next to me. The other physics teacher left, which is why I got the upgrade. Now I have all the physics classes, which is great. But they filled her position only – and they only hired this girl like a week ago. And then the processing takes a week basically, I guess. Anyway, her first day in the building was today. <laughs> and she didn't – and she also missed the, the meeting this morning about opening day procedures. Oh, and that's one day before students? Literally one day. Oh. So tomorrow, students are going to come in. This girl has has never taught. She's new. She's quite young. I didn't. I refrained from asking her because everybody's going to be asking her how old she is. But she she looks young. That was nice of you. Yeah, you've been there. I, well, I remember. Yeah, exactly. She was just like deer in the headlights today. Everybody's telling her all this stuff, and you know, basically, I'm in charge of her. Apparently, I am. You have a minion now. That's great. Well, you know, I've had new recruits before and that's gone that's gone that I've sort of taken under my wing and that's gone sometimes well and and sometimes badly. You may have heard some of those stories before. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh some of them I still don't like to tell, but yeah, this <laughs> I I'm 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 worried for her just cuz she seems so green and she's you know, she's small and the kids are not um, and she's got Earth Space Science, which is – it's the, the bottom level science for uh, mostly juniors if they're on time. There will be a lot of seniors in there who have had still – who have failed classes, so they're, they're, so they're taking it. Wow. It's the physical science 10th graders that I teach, that's a bottom level class as well. But every in every class of 25, I probably have five bright – and interesting kids who just, for whatever reason, either because a guidance counselor f***ed up or because they were f***ed ups when they were in middle school or whatever, they, they've just been tracked into this, this low-end track. And, you know, I try – but then, of course, I try to save them and get them back into the honors track, a more college prep track 
for the next year, which means the 11th graders who go on to Earth space, there's an additional round of culling that has taken the best ones away <laughs> from that track. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so every year, you know, teachers identify the best ones and try to push them back onto the the you know the honors track. So yeah, she's gonna have she's gonna have some rough kids. You know, I told her just. If somebody won't shut up, you didn't stand them out in the hall or send them to me. I'm right next door. That's good. Well, so this is something you put you put in the notes that you might want to talk about. Do you remember what it feels like to be new at a job? Oh, God. Well, that's the thing. So seeing her in in the building for the first time today, the day before the kids walk in, walking into a classroom with bare walls and the chairs all stacked up in the corners, and uh, she doesn't even have a login for the computer on her desk. It'll be like two weeks before she gets an email. We got her. We got her a login by the end of the day, but it'll be a while before she gets an email. I mean, I that that I had that exact same experience because I was hired late. I was like a desperation hire. Okay. <laughs> um, and the same thing happened to me. So in that that week of pre planning, I was doing all the fingerprinting and processing stuff, and you can't go to the school site until you've been processed and cleared. And you've got an ID, I guess. Oh, wow. And that, uh, yeah, and so I think, I, I don't know, I don't remember if I had a single day or if I had two, but I was definitely, I was definitely up against it, completely new to the profession as she is, and completely unprepared. And my, you know, so many of my expectations were completely wrong. And I, so I was trying to prepare her for that a little bit today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I absolutely remember what it's like, and and seeing her in this position was really bringing it all back for me. What what about you? What what do you have you had experiences like this? Oh, well, I've had a pretty strong whiff of it recently, getting moved onto a different project. Um, I'm still adjusting to that, honestly. Sure. It's uh, I don't know. It it, it was a a big culture difference, even though it's in the same company. It's very strange. Uh huh. So yeah, that that definitely brought some of it back. I I'm try to stick to my native curiosity and native inquisitiveness, just to try to ask good questions and uh, try sure. to ask good questions to the right people and figure out, you know, I- at least in some small way, how you can uh, can help out the people you've just joined. Sure, it's really easy to get discouraged on on that sort of stuff because you know. On some level, you're just bothering people with your questions and and sort of wasting their time. But yeah, you know, I, I've had to tell myself, you know, okay, only have to ask these questions once. Might as well get them out of the way. It's uh, it's really not a waste of time. Well, because you know, you're a smart guy. I mean, for example, my um, my partner, she hires people, uh, and sometimes does the opposite all the time at her um, whatever you want to call it, at her Chubby building. Job. Um, her jobby job, and she. I mean, just just. I think last week, uh, she was complaining about a new hire who just asks the same questions over and over again. Oh. <laughs> you know, so that's that's. So at least you're only asking the questions once. You know, I'm only gonna have to ask once um, how to get copies made, but that's not that's not the case for everybody. Yeah. All right, that's true. I mean, I know people who work in my school who haven't figured out how the, the two-way door locks work yet, who have been there for years. Two-way door locks? What does that mean? Door locks are kind of goofy. So you put, the, you put the key in the door to a classroom or whatever, 
and if you turn it to the right, it just opens the door but leaves it locked. Oh, right, right, right. If you turn it to the left, you get an extra click, and then you it's it opens the door. But now unlocked. you've left it right. Uh, so I get so I a certain person who uh, will remain nameless, obviously, often leaves both her parts of the building and sometimes mine unlocked because she doesn't know how the door lock works. <laughs> and that can be concerning to me if I've left, you know, if I have you know my my phone and my wallet in my desk yeah. drawer or whatever. Uh, but you know, anyway, little things. Yeah, being new, I was – there's a saying that somebody told me. I don't know if it was to cheer me up or to scare me. Um, when I was a new teacher, somebody said that – the saying goes that there's no one more underpaid or overpaid than a new teacher. Think about that concept for a second, that they are simultaneously vastly underpaid and vastly overpaid. <laughs> and if you think about it, it does make uh... sense. That's very strange, but I guess I guess that makes sense. It does because they're underpaid because they're going to be miserable, and and when you start, I don't know what the starting pay in in this district is anymore. Um, if only I could think of some way to look that up. But you know, so it, I, when I started, it was maybe thirty six thousand or something. I think I think it's higher than that now. But yeah, that's not a lot of money for the amount of heartache and. Um, and, and and fear and loathing that you're you're getting yourself into, um, and abuse from teenagers, yeah, ugh. and 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 adults, and adults, you're signing up for abuse from their parents and from your coworkers, some of whom will be awful. They just they just are, you know. In any building that employs 120 people, some of them are awful people. They, you know, it's just the way people are. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you'd like to think that there'd be some sort of uh, selection bias in teaching that that would get you less awful people, but sadly, this is not the case. But yeah, at the, at the same time, you're you're overpaid because thirty six thousand or whatever dollars is a lot to pay somebody who doesn't know what the hell yeah. they're doing and is probably doing a crappy job at, at actually educating people. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense to me. So how long do you think it took you to really get spun up at teaching? That's a good question. Hmm. Well, I mean, there are a couple of levels to this because only I, – I think it was maybe four years before I was confident that I was doing a good job and, and I started getting better numbers than everybody else. I never got – I never got like statistically significantly worse numbers than everybody else that I can remember or maybe I blocked it out. Maybe I'm – maybe I'm, you know – rewriting history here I, I, I honestly can't remember um, I know at the beginning I failed a lot of people because you know I tried to give them homework and make them accountable for stuff and, and that doesn't work but yeah but then so like four four years in I start getting better exam scores than, than everybody else but then then I started teaching AP and I really didn't know what I was doing I finally got a I finally got a, like a half day training that if I'd had at the beginning of the year would have totally changed <laughs> everything. Um, but this I is got in it your first year though. In my first year teaching AP, so okay. this is um, maybe five years in. No, it's gotten, no, just four years maybe into being a teacher. Um, so I was feeling pretty confident. I was I was good at at I was good in the classroom. 
uh, and I had the I had the management aspect, classroom management aspect, largely figured out by that time. But um, I didn't know what to do with those AP kids, and 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 you know how to get them to perform. So my first couple of years of that, the numbers were were, were pretty poor. I just put up some signs in my classroom um, a couple of days ago. I, I made these signs and printed them. You know how uh, sports teams, sports ball teams, they they'll hang up like pennants that say, you know, 2010 National League champs or, you know, 2011 <laughs> Eastern, Lower Eastern Division One, whatever. Um, so I, I made a series of these where I put up, I have a, a sort of team name because I like my AP class to think of themselves, to think of us as a team. I'm the coach, they're the players. Um, that's, that's the sort of atmosphere I try to create. So I, I made these that have our team name and they have the year and then the pass rate in big numbers and then the average score. And I put those up from 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And then I put up uh, a one with that says, you know, 2014. And then it just has big question mark, a giant question mark in the middle. Cool. Uh, and I, so I put those in a row down the side of the room. I thought, I think it looks pretty cool. But when you, when you look at it, it, uh, on one, it starts at uh, 16 and two-thirds percent, 16.7 percent, and then it go, jumps to 60 percent. All of a sudden, something clicked, and I think there was a year before the 16 percent, but I, I it, it wasn't available on the uh, the college boards. Uh, okay. They, they don't have the report for it you, anymore. You're not, you're not omitting that data point on purpose? Not on purpose. I don't actually know what it is. Um, I, I don't remember. I, I think the 16 and, – and if I remember this correctly, the 16.7% was a very slight improvement. I think it was like a 12.12% or something. And then it was 16.7%, but that's basically the same, isn't it? And then um, and then 60%, and then 67%, and then last year, 87%. Whoa. So – and the kids aren't, you know, and it's not like I'm getting better kids. I mean, you know, you get little, you get little, you know, there's definitely some variability there with the, with the, the kids you start with, but it almost doesn't seem to matter anymore. I've got, I've got that thing. I got that stuff wired. So cool. So that means how long did it really take? Uh, it seems like it took five, six years before I was really. Before, certainly before I'd mastered that that level I'd say when I hit that 66 percent I mean that was only the year before last so I'd say that's when I when I when I had it mastered I mean you know there's the there's the whole we I think we mentioned this even on the show before the the 10,000 hours idea uh, you know? I, I don't know if we talked about that I'm familiar with it I don't I don't know give, give us a give us a rundown well, the, the I first encountered this uh, the specific version, the ten thousand hour version, uh, in Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers. Did you read that? I never did read that one. It's good. In Outliers, he 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 tells the story the stories of uh, a bunch of remarkable people, but his argument, the thesis of the book, is that they're not remarkable because they were born with an innate gift that was greater than anyone else. Basically, he argues against the existence of protégés. You know, and he says that all the famous examples are wrong. He says basically apart from some physical things like, you know, if you're not seven feet tall, you're, you're probably not going to be a pro basketball player. But there, there are some, some physical things like that. But there are – but that basically it's uh, a little bit of luck and a lot of – 
practice that goes into making anyone exceptional at anything. You know, so he 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 uses um, Bill Gates and and I don't know if he does Jobs. I think it's just Bill. He talks about Bill Gates. He may have talked a little bit about Jobs and or Wozniak. I'm not sure. Um, and that you know that Gates was first of all supremely lucky to be in one of the first high schools in the country that had computers, and 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 he by the time he you know famously went into business for himself, he had ten thousand hours of programming, and yeah. and other other examples like Mozart you know Mozart was touring and you know he wrote his first famously what wrote his first. Um, Sonata at age 13 and he was he was as a, a very young teenager he was touring Europe and and you know playing at the top level but his his father made him start practicing relentlessly at like age three or something so by the time he was touring Europe as an amazingly as an amazing and super young kid he had ten thousand hours. You can you can do the math, and and because he he was being made to practice for like six hours a day from the time when he could barely toddle. Wow. And then there's the other fact that that those early writings were basically uh, just rewritings of other people's music. He didn't write his own true original masterpieces until well after he had that ten thousand hours of experience. Huh. Well, uh, I'm. Uh... I, I, for me, the ten thousand hours thing probably still holds, but I'm certainly glad that I don't. I, I get to teach things to computers and not real human beings, so that it doesn't take me five years to really get get going at a job. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah, that's good. I, I mean, maybe I'm slow. I I I'll tell you, there was a, a new teacher two years ago who, again, it was my job. She was the physics lady. Now, okay, so being having some physics knowledge is sort of like having a cheat code for life. I mean, it just makes you better at everything. Let's face it. I'm sure you've benefited from this in many ways. So the physics lady, she came in and, you know, she made some, she made some mistakes, but she didn't take five years to get up to speed and she had never taught before. And, you know, last year I still got way better numbers than her, but, but I mean the, like the classroom management part that I really struggled with, uh, and that many new teachers, not all, but many new teachers struggle with, she got that right away. She had no problem with that. And, you know, she was sort of, I considered, I thought she was kind of a goofy person when I met her and I didn't know how it was going to go. I mean, I could <laughs> tell she was, I could tell she was smart. She had almost, but not quite finished a doctorate in physics and then sort of given up, I guess, and decided to do my job for a while. But yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was going to go well. And she picked it up really fast. I would say by, the end of her first year, she had mastered classroom management, which I certainly did. I certainly couldn't manage. Wow. I don't know. Does does it help to come from a big family for that stuff? I don't know. So this woman, she had a couple of kids that she had raised. You know, one of them was already an adult. The other one was about to be. That that probably helps a lot versus being, you know, 24 or whatever I was when I started. And, and strongly resembling the kids in the halls. <laughs> In turn, you know, sure. Where's your pass? We talked about that already. Um, but I tell you what, I I remember when I read that book, The Out, uh, Outliers by Gladwell, which is a very good read. I encourage anybody who's interested in that sort of thing and and sort of, um, Gladwell, he's so good. But anyway, uh, when I read that book, I immediately whipped out a calculator and did the math, and this was probably. 
seven after doing seven years, and I figured out that I wouldn't have ten thousand hours in the classroom in front of kids until I had done like nine years, which, by the way, I did last year. Is, is nowish okay? Yeah, and that, that's in front of kids. That's yeah. Actually, I don't even think I. I think I just said I just used the eight hours a day for 180 days a year. I think I used all eight hours, so I didn't even, you know, discount the uh, the time where I'm running down the hall to turn in my grades. <laughs> While you're being yelled at on the intercom. <laughs> when I'm being yelled at on the intercom, that doesn't count. Yeah. So, I mean, it takes a, it takes a long time to rack up 10,000 hours at something. You know, it can take, it can take a decade. Yeah, certainly. And then, you know, I'm reading this book now that, that actually referenced that uh, Gladwell's argument and stuff and it kind of kind of brought it back fresher to my mind but also it goes a little further than I guess Gladwell did so Gladwell's point was that you you can do the math and all these exceptional people from from pro athletes to musicians to entrepreneurs or programmers or whatever that they they have the 10,000 hours before they demonstrate anything like exceptional ability well the book I'm reading now goes a little bit beyond that and says that uh, and and looks at this study that I actually encountered in one of my one of my skeptical podcasts brought it to my attention a few years back a study about the um, the hours that top chess players put in okay I don't think I know this one okay so what what these what the researchers did was they basically wanted to see if top chess players if if their success, their tournament success, could be predicted by their hours, their cumulative hours of practice, so they're like finding a way to test the ten thousand hours hypothesis. Uh, and what they found was that there was a certain amount of hours that was a, a minimum amount to play at this world class level. Okay. So fewer than you know, and it, it was maybe like six thousand hours or or, or eight thousand. I don't remember the the numbers from the study, but. There was no one in the world playing at that level who had fewer hours of practice than that. But beyond that, additional hours no longer dominated as the the most predictive factor of success. So they so other factors had to explain the peak performance of the best performer, uh, the best players beyond that that uh, minimum number. Let's just let's call it let's call it six thousand. I think that's I think that might have been what it was. So up to 6,000 hours, the amount of hours strongly predicts your potential for success at the top level. But beyond 6,000 hours, once they've reached that, then other factors dominated. And so they they then – so I I learned about this study from one of my skeptic podcasts a a long time ago. But in this book, apparently these researchers – the book I'm reading now uh, has more information on this and – the researchers have taken it further, so they they set out to try to figure out what factors determine this determine success. Then, if it's not just hours practicing, and they identified um, essentially there are two kinds of practice, and there and you know not all practice is created equal. Essentially, you know, so you could be doing something, you could be logging hours, but those hours might not be as as helpful. And effective as the hours logged by somebody else. So they made a um, so this this author that I again I'm gonna forget the name. Damn it, I couldn't <laughs> come up with it when we did two weeks ago. This author says 
I don't know if he coined the term. I don't think he did. I think someone in the from the world research did coined the term deliberative practice. This is the kind of practice that really works. That's really effective. And where you you stretch yourself and you you push yourself and you make yourself work on on the hard stuff that you're not doing particularly well and you you push through that discomfort and and really and it really really helps you get better. Now, if that's not making sense, the other kind of way you could log hours is basically just by playing. You know, so for example, he in the book talks about um, a guitar player, this guy who's a, a world class guitar player. And it turns out that this author has is also a guitar player, and they both played in, in you know, well, and he played in a band, and they played some gigs, and and they had band practice and stuff. But, but he's, he's just an, an average strummer, and this other guy, is you know has has played with some of the the best in the world, okay. um, and the reason is that that he just he likes to sit there and play the stuff that he knows how to play. You know, and they, they like to play shows and they just they practice the songs that they already know when he used to play with his band and he never made himself do the hard stuff and push through the discomfort because that's not fun. Whereas this other guy puts puts in the the time doing the hard stuff in a really and he described his practice regime and you know, making himself play these these licks faster than he's comfortable and every time he makes a mistake stopping and starting over until he can play the whole thing through and he's inventing new techniques that at first he can't do. Uh, you know, I mean it doesn't sound like a hell of a lot of fun compared to just, you know, looking up a song on the internet and learning how to strum it on my ukulele. Um, which is, and I, of course, when I'm reading this, I realize, oh yeah, I'm totally that guy who, who just, who learns, who picks a song that looks like it'll be not too hard to learn. And then I learn it. And then I just play that song for a while until I, you know, either forget it or decide to learn a, a better one. And that, that's, that's all I do. I don't really, I don't sit down and do practice. I don't do exercises on the guitar or the ukulele. I just, I just like to strum, you know? <laughs> so that's why I'm now not going to be a world-class guitar or ukulele player. You're never going to be Tiny Tim on the ukulele. Hmm. I don't think I get that reference. Uh, I'm not even sure I do anymore, but I'm pretty sure he was a ukulele player. I I was going to go with Jake Shimabukuro, but, you know. I have no idea who that is. Okay, well, anyway. Hmm. So, yeah, not all practice is created equal. So the, the chess players who who really challenged themselves and did... You know, they work through, um, what do they call them? God, I'm so brain dead today. Plateaus? Work through the plateaus? Yeah, well, okay, so plateauing is another thing that, that um, he wrote a little bit about. But, that no, they, they, do, um, they do exercises and they work through classic chess problems and, and game, you know, and they, they play out famous matches and stuff and, and, and they play people who are better than them versus just just going to the park and playing, you know, whatever, or just playing tournaments or, or whatever. They, they, the, the deliberative practice involves doing, doing drills and, and a lot of stuff that isn't as fun as just playing games of chess. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I explained that very well. It makes sense. It makes sense in my head. That's not bad. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> word deliberative is a bit, I find the term a bit odd, you know, so it's like, are you just, taking your time more is that is that better somehow but i i, I think i see what you're getting at i mean i yeah, I, I, mean, I saw it 
in my misspent youth on the golf course. Um, yeah, I wonder. I that. hit practice balls a lot, which was which mm. would. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure how how this would apply to the, the labels you just put out there, but I did more of that than playing rounds of golf. And mm. I realize now I probably did too much standing in one place and hitting the same club over and over again when my hours should have been <clears throat> spent playing more rounds of golf, you know, strung together as rounds of golf, not not as me just on the driving range. Well, you think? I, I mean, I almost think that, that this guy would say the I don't opposite. know. Uh, yeah. That doesn't yeah, mean he's right. But for I'm... for golf, it's easy to, I don't know. Maybe this is moving your pawn the same way over and over again. Don't be creepy. (laughs) But I think I I remember someone I met in college measuring the amount of time he'd spent at golf in the number of holes he'd played instead of the number of hours he'd spent on the practice tee. I was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Um, You know, and uh, if you... So I suppose on the driving range, my swing might look better than his, but when it comes to putting numbers on the scorecard, his numbers always beat my numbers. It was very frustrating. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, yeah. you definitely have to, you definitely have to practice the way you play, you know? So, uh, but I, I mean, I think that, I think that you would, you would need both. It would be interesting to look at the, to get the stories of, a lot of competitive golfers, you know, guys who are who are competing at the top level today. I, I mean, aren't they kind of famous for spending a lot of time at the range? Uh, some people are. I mean, there's stories of you know some people who are who practice a ton and some people who who play. And then there's kind of a legend of two guys from the same town in Texas: one uh, Ben Crenshaw and one Tom Kite. And one of them was a practicer, Tom Kite just hit practice balls all the time and it you know he ended up being a top quality tour pro and mm-hmm. but Ben Crenshaw was you know he he played um he didn't practice and they, they they both ended up being at the at the top of the game probably in the in the 80s early 90s mm-hmm. so yeah uh, that depends on the individual I guess as well yeah hmm I know um guitar players are fond of saying that it's it's not the number of years you played it's the hours you know, because like I've had a guitar for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't spent that many hours. Uh, certainly not in deliberate practice. I don't know. You know, I put that on my happy list. I really ought to be. Um, I really ought to get after it. Not play. Oh yeah, but being new, being new is tough. I don't know. I'm worried about her. About this. Uh, about this girl. She doesn't seem. She doesn't seem super confident, and the kids are gonna, they're gonna sense that. Yeah, they can smell that. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. And I, I, I don't think it's not that I'm worried that it'll reflect badly on me. Um, if she, if she doesn't do well, I'm really past the point where, I, where that really matters that much to me. But it is gonna be, you know, what you were saying about having to ask people questions when you're new. I'm gonna be answering a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean. Uh, never mind. I was, <laughs> I was gonna give an example of a question that that was asked today, but um, I, you know, I don't think it, 
I think it would be a bit unkind. I'll just cut that's, that out. That's not going to help anybody. All right. Well, no. um, I got to get going so I can get packed and stuff. Yeah? Yeah. Wrong. <sighs> what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know. I don't know if I ever had an answer. I might have said astronaut once upon a time, but I'm not sure I ever believed it. Yeah, I said it, but didn't believe it. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. No, I never really believed it either. You know, you um, had to have an answer. Grown-ups were always asking you. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be a pilot for a while, and then I found out that my eyesight was going to be a problem. And I know I wanted... I, I know I told people I was going to be a lawyer for a while, and then... <laughs> I don't know. I guess I decided I just I didn't want to hang out with lawyers. And then I wanted to be a history professor, and then I decided that that... I wouldn't be able to feed myself. <laughs> and uh, and and here we are. Now I don't know what I want to be. I certainly haven't grown up. Anyway. <sighs> Back to school. Back to school. And you go to Hawaii, I'm bastard. I'm off to the islands. Jesus. Sorry. Sorry about that. <sighs> it's all right. It's all right. You enjoy yourself. You you deserve it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> We're gonna have to think of something to uh, to fill fill the hole next week. Yeah, well, I guess you can stall stall this episode. You know, tease it, tease it out for a while. This episode's supposed to air tomorrow. Oh, good lord! I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah we better we better stop recording so I can so Neil can start editing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, anyway, see you in a couple of weeks. And yeah, uh, have a great time. Good luck with school. Take some pictures. Don't get sunburned. Don't get killed by a coconut. Okay. Uh, Shark Week's over, so you're probably safe there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Glad for that. (laughs) 